Welcome to the Three Strands Podcast. You're about to hear a message from our series, Declare. Maybe you were taught, stop and think before you speak. But what if you still don't know what to say when life is tough? Many choose to stay silent, but God says, declare. So we got a brand new series starting today. Series that I planned about a year ago at this time. Thought I started thinking about this series. And it's called Declare. It's all about what to say when you don't know what to say. And uh, I don't know about you, but like a lot of times I feel like if I say something, it's going to be the wrong thing. If I say something at home, it's going to start a fight. If I say something, it's going to sound like I'm ignorant. It's going to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. And so you're better off just to stay silent. Maybe some of you feel like that in your marriage, right? You feel like if I say something, it's going to start a fight. So I'm better off to say nothing. And so this series is for us. This series is for people like that. I feel like I should speak up and say something, but I don't know what to say. So this is all about what to say when you don't know what to say, declare. And so uh, I'm glad you're here. I think you've picked a good week to be at church with us. I feel like I've uh, yet to teach about this subject we're going to talk about today. And so that's exciting for me. And um, I'm excited about the whole series. Like I said, I've been thinking about it for a long time. And so we're not going to cover this exhaustively. We're going to cover it a little bit. The Bible tells us a lot of different things we should declare. God has an opinion on a lot of different things we should speak up about and say and declare. Uh, We're not going to cover all of them. We're just going to cover three of them. We're going to keep it simple. Stupid. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's what you're supposed to say, though, right? Keep it simple, stupid. So you guys aren't stupid. I'm stupid. Is that okay? But we're going to keep it simple. Just cover three things. But God would tell us, hey, speak up about your faith. Tell other people about it. Speak up about all the good things I do. Speak up about your um, gratitude and thankfulness to me. Speak up about uh, injustice when you see something that's unjust happening. A lot of different things that God would tell us to declare and speak up about. But we're just going to cover three things in this series, not hit all of them. So I don't know about you guys, but raise your hand if you've ever had a gym membership. If you ever had a gym membership. All right, now put your hand down if you had a gym membership and never went. There's only like four people in here that go to the gym. All right, so, so let's see that again. Raise your hand if you've ever had a gym membership. Leave it up because you've been to the gym. You're not too lazy to keep your hand up for a minute. All right, if you've ever had a gym membership. Now, put it down if you've had a gym membership but you never went. All right, that's good. That's pretty good. Not, most of you do. Actually, most of you guys have been to a gym. You know what the scene's like. So Stephanie and I went to this gym. This is back when it mattered what I looked like, and <laughs> now I'm just... Now I'm just like old and married with kids, and so now it doesn't matter as much, I guess. Is that right? That's probably wrong, huh? But it must not be right, because Stephanie still works out quite a bit, and I don't. So. <laughs> but uh, I bet back when we were living in Pennsylvania, we went to this gym called The Summit, right? It was called The Summit. And it was one of these, like, you know, 24-hour gyms, and we would go there on our own, because we had very different work schedules at that time. And so uh, we would go there on our own, and I, I guess I was there probably three times a week, or something like that, and you were probably there three times a week, something like that. And there's a lot of people at this gym. So you go in, there might be a couple hundred people in there working out at any given time. But there was this one guy, and he was there every time I went. I mean, I didn't always go the same days or the same times, but he was always there. And uh, let's just call him Jimmy. Okay, I'm not going to give you his real name because maybe he'll listen to our podcast. <laughs> Actually, I just can't remember his real name. But let's call him Jimmy. Is there anybody, anybody in here named Jimmy? Anybody in here named Jimmy? Okay, because I don't want this to be you, okay? So I don't want you to think I'm talking about you. But Jimmy was there every time I went to the gym, literally for years. He was there every time, okay? But Jimmy didn't look like he went to the gym. You, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. He was at the gym, but he didn't look like he was 
at the gym. Does that make sense? He was pretty husky, not very defined, didn't look like he invested a lot into cardio. You know what I'm talking about, okay? So he, but he was at the gym every time I was there. I remember thinking like, what does that dude do when he's here? Whatever he does, it's not working. And there was this other guy, I always saw him standing around talking to while they were working out. And the other guy, I don't know his name either. Let's call his name, let's call him Barney. I don't know, Barney, all right? So, but one day, Jimmy must have been at the bathroom or something, and I just happened to be beside Barney at one of these, like, universal workout equipment machines or whatever. And so I just started talking to Barney, and some kind of a jerk, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have a good filter. It's better now than it used to be. But I was kind of like, somehow in the conversation, I said to Barney, I was like, it looks like you and Jimmy work out all the time. And he said, yeah, we're always kind of hanging out together. He's here all the time. I said, he is here all the time, isn't he? He said, yeah, he's here all the time. Every day, he's here all the time. And I said, but it doesn't look like Jimmy is getting the same results as you out of his workout because you look like you actually work out. Jimmy kind of looks like, you know, he works out at Dunkin' Donuts. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so I like Dunkin' Donuts, by the way. So, but he said this awesome thing. He was like, well, Jimmy's here, but he's not here to work out. And I'm like, what's Jimmy here for? And he's like, Jimmy's here to talk to whoever's here working out. So Jimmy went to the gym every day, but all he did was talk to people that were working out. He said he's here to talk to people who are working out. He's here to look for girls. And Jimmy's kind of a creeper, right? Like, that's Jimmy. He's a creeper. He's at the gym, not working out, staring at the girls. That's a creeper, right? Everybody agrees on that? So that's what Jimmy did. And I was thinking, that's how a lot of us go to church. It blows my mind as a pastor that you would come in here week after week, year after year, sometimes for people decade after decade, and they would hear truth spoken, they would experience grace, hear other people's stories, but they would look like they're still not in Jesus shape. And you're kind of like, what happens? And it turns out there's a lot of people that go to the gym and don't really make any progress on their physical fitness, and there's a lot of people that come to church for decades, but don't really change anything about themselves. How could you sit here week after week and hear, if you'll change this, your life will get better. If you'll do this, you'll get rewarded. If you try this, you'll have success, but never change anything. In fact, a lot of people come through the doors of a church and their thought is, I would like God to change a bunch of stuff in my life as long as he doesn't have to change me to do it. Right? And I started thinking like, man, some of us need to stop praying for God to change it and start praying for God to change me. Right? And I've had this talk with numerous friends who are moving away from their problems. And I'm always like, man, the problem with moving away from your problems is that you always take you with yourself. And at some point, the problem keeps following you because the problem is in the mirror. And so maybe the prayer needs to be, God, I don't need you to change it. I need you to change me. Maybe you're not a gym rat like Jimmy. Maybe you're more like Stephanie going to the dentist. It doesn't matter what dentist we go to. It doesn't matter how many dental hygienists talk to her. It doesn't matter how many like horror videos they show her. 
It doesn't matter how many photos and charts they hang on the wall showing gum disease, gingivitis, decay, people losing the whole side of their face. She will not floss. She will not floss. And I don't mean like the, you know, I just mean she will not floss with her teeth. No matter who talks to her. And it's almost like she goes into the dentist and stops and is like, I know what you're going to say. Let me just stop you right there. No matter what you say, I'm not going to change. No matter what you say, I am not. Gonna, I don't care how good it is for me. I don't care what difference it would make in my gum health. I'm not doing it. I want to challenge you not to be like that during this series. Don't sit here and listen to God's truth. Don't sit here and listen to stories of people. Don't sit here and listen to advice and experiences. And then go out of here and be like, whatever, I'm not changing. I'm not changing. Instead, what if we invited God to change us us, during this series, during this three weeks? So stop praying God change it. And let's start praying God change me. Set me free from me. I need you to know that we start this series today that The entire world, your heart included, is trying to convince you not to change. Yourself is speaking in your own ear and saying, you're good just like you are. Surely what you're doing now will work if you just keep doing it a little longer. And it's been telling you that for a long time. Everything is trying to convince you not to change. Everything is trying to convince you to speak up about things that don't matter and stay silent about the things that do matter. Oh, we don't talk about that. You know what I'm talking about. You've got like family gatherings, reunions, old friends that you run into, and the thought you have in the back of your head is like, I can talk about sports and weather and jobs and families, but I can't talk about religion or politics, right? You, you kind of have this line. And it's like everything in the universe is fighting against you, trying to convince you to speak up about things that don't really matter and keep your mouth shut about the things that actually do matter. But God is saying, declare those things. What is it that God wants you to reveal that you've been trying your hardest to conceal? What is it that you're hiding? God wants to heal you, but God cannot heal what you continue to hide. That's the way God works. But when you're ready to reveal it, when you're ready to declare it, when you're ready to say it out loud, proclaim it, confess it, admit it, say it to other people, say it to him, God can work with that. God can change that. God can fix all of that. God can heal those people. And most people, even most Christians, are living a life of isolation. When God is calling us to live a life of declaration. Most people sit in church for 50 plus years and never, never make one disciple for Jesus. How can that be? Most people sit in church their whole life and have never prayed in front of somebody else. How can that be? This is how it be. We come in here and decide before we even get here, I'm not changing no matter what you say. I'm not going to do anything that's risky. I'm not going to do anything that's out of my comfort zone. I'm going to sit right here and watch the movie. And when it's over, if you ask me how it was, I'll give you, it was good. It was good, Brother David. It was good. Don't call me Brother David, all right? Unless you're my actual brother. Uh, It's okay. (laughs) 
It was good, but I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm just going to hold on to that and internalize it. I'm going to process it, right? But God is calling us to live a life of declaration, not to hide it under a bushel, not to hide our sin, not to hide our freedom in Christ, not to hide our faith, but to wear it on our sleeves, to declare it out loud and let everybody know right where we stand that we're with Jesus. And I'm going to say what he wants me to say. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I'm going to wear it out in public for everybody to see it, declare it. Are you ready to declare it today? When I was a kid, I remember as a kid, like you're out playing with other kids, and they would all, like kids are bossy, right? Kids are kind of bossy. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like the older kids are always bossier to the younger kids. We get that at our house too, right? The older kids are bossier to the younger kids. And so like they tell you to do something. And we used to always say, like, if they tell you you had to do something, oh, you have to go do this. It's time to go home and eat dinner. You have to go back. You have to, you have to do this rule or this rule. We would always say to them, yeah, who says? You ever hear anybody say that? I hear my kids say it now from a different room, right? Sydney tells Logan he has to do something. She'll be like, who, he'll be like, who says? And if the answer to that question is, well, I say, then we were always like, and my kids are always like now, we were always like, well, I don't have to do what you say. Right? You guys have done that before, right? But if the answer was, well, dad said, or mom said, that somehow carried a little extra weight, didn't it? It meant a little bit more. Why is that? Because I knew that if my mom or dad said it, then I probably had to obey it. This is how it is with God. I want you to know my words in this series mean nothing. They carry no weight for you. But God's word should. They sh- who said it? Who says? God says. Okay, I guess I better do it. I guess I better give it a shot. If God's saying to do it. And so it kind of brings us to this principle I want to teach you. We're going to bring it up all three weeks. But my faith isn't based on my effort. My faith is based on God's faithfulness. Does that make sense? My kids... When you say, who says, and, and you, your answer to them is, your dad says, the reason they listen, the reason it holds weight with them, the reason they obey in that moment is because they've learned from experience that I'm going to punish them if they don't obey. Right? They've also learned, like, if I tell them to try something, I can be trusted. I'm out for their good. I've never eaten that before. Give it a try. I think you'll like it. It's ice cream. And so they give it a try, and they're like, he was right, I loved it. Their faith in me stems from my faithfulness to them. Does that make sense? Not their own effort. Your faith in God is a reflection, trickles out of, is produced by God's faithfulness to you. So God's words should carry weight for us. Because he is trustworthy. And he has your best interest at heart. He knows all the stuff you don't know. So it gives us the principle I want to share with you today. All three weeks of the series, you'll hear it. But here it is. You ready? When you don't know what to say, say what God says to say. Now, that's hard to say fast five times, right? But I'm going to say it again. You ready? When you don't know what to say, say what God says to say. Everything in the universe and inside of you is telling you when you don't know what to say, say nothing. But God is saying, when you don't know what to say, say what I tell you to say. Don't talk yourself out of what God is trying to bring you into. Instead, declare it with your mouth. Will you declare with your mouth 
What you say you believe in your heart. That is the challenge of this series. Will you say and declare with your mouth what you admit and say you believe in your heart? Silence is the opposite of that. It's making people all over our country bitter. You've met these people. They try to tough their, tough their way through problems, say nothing, grit their teeth. Uh, it's a little annoying, but I can bear it. And then after 10 years, they divorce her, right? Like they couldn't bear it, apparently. But they try to get through it. They say nothing. They go silent. And after a long enough time of clenching your fists, gritting your teeth, and saying, I'm just going to say nothing in this moment, what happens is you start to get bitter at other people. So sick of you. Bitter. But if you will declare with your mouth the things that you say you believe in your heart, if you'll declare in your mouth the feelings and the struggles and the successes that you have, God can make you better. The truth is you can walk out of here and get bitter or you can get better, but I promise you, you can't get both. You can only get one. And God wants to make you better. It's time to declare what God says over your life. You can live in victory, but don't expect to live in victory if you continue to act like a victim. And I get it that fear and loneliness and worry, those are powerful weapons from the enemy. They beat people down and discourage us all the time. And they convince people to disengage, to withdraw from everybody else, to hide out and deflates them inside. But where everybody else deflates, God is saying to you, declare. And if you'll declare what I'm telling you to say, if you'll say what I'm telling you to say, you'll get better. Your life will go better. You will enjoy success. It'll make all the difference in the world. So God tells us to declare. We're not going to cover all those things, but I want to cover three of them with you. Here's the first one today. You ready? Declare your prayer. Declare your prayer. Don't sit in silence anymore and convince yourself that prayer is some kind of uh, high, um, pious thing that only takes place in the perfect setting with eloquent words, and I don't have those words, so I just stay silent. No, that's not prayer. Prayer is honest conversation with God. Talking it out with them, whether you're happy or sad, lonely or feeling like you're surrounded by a thousand people. Declare your prayer. We can't cover everything the Bible has to say about prayer. It comes up 400 times in the Bible. Unless you guys want to stay until like next Sunday. Then we might be able to cover it. But if you want one of these, you can get them on the back table. I just did a Google search two days ago. And spent about 20 minutes just jotting down some of the things the Bible has to say about prayer. Here's 25, not because that's all there is, but because I got to the end of my page, right? So my obsessive-compulsive nature mandated that I stop there. So there's like 25 back there, but it just goes through some of the things the Bible says. Pray for this. Here's how to pray. Here's when to pray. Cover them. If you want it, study them on your own, right? But here they are. Let me just read you some of them. Pray confession about your sins to God. Say the same thing about your sins that God says. Pray for God to send more workers to serve him. Pray for healing of other people. Pray for believers to have boldness to proclaim the faith. Pray, pray for thankfulness and help for all people. Pray thankfulness and help for leaders and government officials. Pray your surrender with uplifted hands. Pray for help 
from your troubles. Pray for opportunities to share the good news about Jesus. Pray for relief from suffering. Pray for what you need. Thank God for what you have. Pray for mercy about what you've done and grace for what's coming next. Pray for wisdom. Pray for blessing for those who treat you poorly. Pray together with other believers. Pray relentlessly for what you need. Pray sincerely to God. Don't try to impress other people with your prayer. Pray persistently for God's help. Pray humbly, not as if God owes you something. Pray when you're afraid, when you're desperate, when you're in distress, when you're in trouble, when you're worried, when you're lonely. In other words, what I got at the top, pray always for everything. That's what God's teaching about prayer. We don't have time to cover all that. But that's what God's saying to you about prayer. Pray always about everything. But I want today just try to tweak your prayer life. Change it to be a little different, to declare the things God is saying to declare when we pray. To start to say what God says to say. And I promise you, if you will start to say what God says to see, to say, you will start to see what God says you'll see. If you'll start to say what God says to say, you'll start to see what God says you'll see. That's the promise. So are you ready to declare your prayer like Jesus did? He was our example. I don't have time to cover it all, but if you keep coming to our church, I promise you next year, about this same time, I'm working on a series called Repeat After Me, How to Pray Like Jesus Prayed. And the entire series will be modeled after all the times Jesus prayed, how to pray like him, how to get the Father's ear like he had it, um, and just pray like Jesus prayed. So we're not going to do that today. I'm just going to kind of blast through some of this stuff. But Jesus is our example, and in Hebrews chapter 5, it's an awesome chapter, all about why Jesus is so qualified to be our king, why he's so qualified to be our priest. And there's a verse in there that describes the way Jesus prayed when he was on earth. I want you to hear it. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. This is what it says. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears. You know what a loud cry and tears are? That's declaration. That's not like I sat in a corner somewhere by myself and I just thought about some things. That's like I got loud and undignified. I cried about some stuff. I was passionate about it. I spoke it out with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers. Wouldn't it be awesome if God actually heard our prayers? Responded to us? Another time in Jesus' life, his disciples saw him praying. They heard him declaring his prayer out loud. And they said to him, Master, teach us how to pray like that. They knew how to pray. These were grown Jewish men who grew up in Judaism and they knew how to pray. What were they asking Jesus? Teach us how to pray differently. Not to pray as if it's some ceremony, some ritual, some rote memory nursery rhyme that I'm repeating. Thank you for this food, amen. Give us this day, this and that. No, teach us more than that, God. Teach us to pray with passionate declaration like you're praying. Jesus taught them. Jesus taught them. But I want to teach you guys today how to pray that kind of prayer. How to declare your prayer. Ready? Just three simple things. Not everything. It's a lot more the Bible tells us to pray about. But let's just start where we're at. Sometimes you got to just start where you're at, not where you wish you would be. You know? So let's just start where we're at. Let's tweak our prayer life and declare these things in our prayer. You ready? Here's the first one. Pray big. Pray big. You can find it 
Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking to his apostles. Listen to what he says to them. Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe, it will be yours. When you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Can you put that back up there? Pray big. Pray big. My prayers are so small. If God actually gave you what you're asking for, would anybody even know God did it? Would you even know God did it? Oh God, help me feel better tomorrow. I got a headache. And you wake up without a headache and you forgot you even asked God about it because it's so small. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray about small things. You might have missed that part where I said pray about everything always, right? Do you get that? I'm not saying you shouldn't pray about small things. I'm saying when do we pray about big things? If everything we ask God for is get rid of my headache and give me a better parking space, we won't even know when he shows up and does something to give him credit for it. What if God gave you tomorrow only what you asked him for today? Would anybody even know God did it? Would you even know God did it? What if we started to declare big things to God? Some of you, I want to be honest, like you want to see mountains moved and thrown into the sea, but it turns out you're the mountain. And what we need is for God to move us. And you want to see mountains move, but you won't follow this command to declare it out loud, to do it with confidence and cry out to God for it. Beg him for big things. We keep asking him for little rinky-dink things and wondering why nothing really changes in our life. Do we really want to see God do something big? Or are we content with just the small things? Man, God, move me. Do big things. When I pray for my kids, I don't pray that they would love Jesus. I think I've told you guys this before. I pray that they would love Jesus more than any of you. Because I like you, but I love them. Right? And I pray that they would love Jesus more than anybody has ever loved Jesus. That's my prayer for my kids. You mean more than Moses loved Jesus? Yes. You want your kids to be in more in love with God than Moses was? Absolutely. I mean, I like Moses, but I just read about him. I live with my kids. I want them to know and love Jesus more than anyone has ever loved him. That's my big prayer for my kids. I look at our church and I think, man, I don't want to be content. I want a church of a thousand people. You ready? Who's going to pray for that? Who's praying for that in our group? Kenny is challenging me the other night on that. Like, uh, what were we talking about where you said about the, are we even praying God for it? Oh, about the money for the bill. Like, we want this building, right? We need a half a million dollars. And we're like sitting around brainstorming, how are we going to get there? What are we going to do? And Kenny's like, why don't we just pray more? <laughs> why don't we pray bigger? Pray for bigger things. Another time Jesus was talking to his followers, his apostles. Listen to what he said to him. This is in John chapter 14. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name. And I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name. And I will do it. I want to see great things. 
greater things than Jesus did. Big stuff. I want to see mountains move. I want to see buildings built. I want to see staff members hired. I want to see people crossing over from death to life. I want to look people in the eye and I want to say, are you ready to follow Jesus with your whole heart? You know how you avoid sitting in church for 50 years and never helping one person decide to follow Jesus? You look people in the eye and you say, are you ready to follow Jesus with your whole heart? There's a proportionate relationship to the amount of people you ask to follow Jesus with their whole heart and the amount of people who decide to follow Jesus with their whole heart. But as long as I stay silent, as long as I don't declare it, as long as I don't ask God for big things, I pray for you guys all the time that you would cross from death to life. You don't even know it. For months we're praying for you guys. We're going to camp. God, cross them over from death to life. Convince them that they need to give you everything. Convince them to follow you with all they got. Convince them to stand up with courage and say, I want to be baptized. I want to show everybody I'm with Jesus and there's no turning back. Convince them, God. I beg you for that. Do something so big that when it happens, we know you did it. I don't want 50 people. I want 5,000 people so that everybody else will know that Jesus did it. I want them to look at our building and think we're doing something illegal because it's so big. And I want the answer to be we just beg God for something so big. Big things. Here's the next one, right? Pray bold. Pray bold. I pray so timid. As if like I'm scared to ask God for things. And I definitely don't want to do it in front of other people. Because if I declare it out loud in front of you and it doesn't come true... Then I look like some fool. And it looks like God doesn't listen to me. And so I get timid. And I'm like, well, I'll pray for some big things, but I'm just going to do them on my own because they're a little risky. And if it doesn't come to pass, then it looks like oh, maybe I'm not even a real Christian. So the devil convinced us to be timid with our prayer. Don't pray that in front of your spouse. Don't pray that in front of your kids. Don't pray that in a group at church. Don't ask somebody at church to pray about that with you because if it doesn't happen, then you look like a failure. And so we pray timid. We say nothing. We keep it all to ourselves. And I went to my son a couple weeks ago. I was praying with him before bed. And I just decided to try something I'd never done with him before. I said, hey, man, let's pray tonight for God to give us one thing. Anything you want. Just ask God to give you one thing. So I went first. And I was like, God, I'm so timid. You know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm like, God, just make me a better dad. Make me a better dad. That's a good thing. That's a small thing, you know, for me. I'm like, make me a better dad. Make me wiser. That's a good prayer. It's not a bad prayer. Then it's Logan's turn. He's four. And he goes, God, dear God, make me a tiger. <laughs> and I was like, that was awesome, dude. So we got done praying, and I was like, I was like, dude, I hope that's awesome, man. You want to be a tiger? I was like, why did you ask God to make you a tiger? And he was like, because they're big and they swim real good. That's what he said. And I was like, man, how bold. You know, if God actually made him a tiger, we'd be disappointed. Be like, a tiger's life actually isn't as good as a human's life. But he doesn't know that. He's just praying with boldness. Be like, I know God will do it if I ask him. Our daughter ran into the room yesterday yelling, God answered my prayer. God answered my prayer. I'm like, what would you pray for? She's like, I asked that the weather would be good so we could swim. And he did it. <laughs> big might be different for all of us. Bold might sound different for all of us. But man, pray big. Pray bold. Hebrews chapter 4, 
says this, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we'll receive his mercy, and we'll find grace to help us when we need it the most. Man, pray big and bold. Declare it out loud. Don't hide it. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared and lonely and worried. No, Jesus is saying declare it instead in those moments. And here's the last one. Pray blessing. That one sounds easy. That one's right up my alley because I'm thinking like, man, I pray for a lot of blessing. But I want you to know that all throughout the Bible, there's a thread of this idea that we're supposed to be praying for blessing for other people. <laughs> but almost all my blessings about me. And then when I get finished asking for all my blessings, then sometimes like I branch out into like my friends and family. Did you do that? Right? And that's like my sphere of blessing. I don't really care if God blesses anybody else. As long as he blesses me and my inner circle, I'm good to go. Right? And now we pray. That is what the Bible presents. James 5.16, pray for each other so that you'll be healed. We're supposed to pray for other people all the time. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Not just my friends and family. They don't even do friends and family plans anymore. If cell phones are like just not just them, everybody. Pray for everybody. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. When was the last time you gave thanks for somebody outside of your little sphere? Stretch your sphere. Declare it out loud. Pray for people you don't even know. Do you want to see Jesus rescue people in the Congo, in Canada, in New Jersey? Or only people in McCreary County and not even all of them. Just the people in Pine Knot. And then just the people at my house, God. And you're like in this tight little space like, God bless everybody in here. Like, no, God, bless them all. Help them all. Rescue them all. Pray blessings on other people. What about the people who treat me bad? Even them, Jesus said. Even those people. Matthew chapter 5. You've heard, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Are we praying like that? My prayers are so self-centered. But God wants me to pray for others, even my enemies. Do you know what happens if you start to pray big, pray bold, pray blessing? You start to see big, bold blessing. If you pray what God says to pray, then you will see what God says you'll see. Your prayer unlocks God's power. It's like the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel's praying to God every day and everybody in his life says, you can't do that anymore. It's against the law now. Stop what you're doing. Daniel says, not me. I'm going to walk to my house open the window, get down on my knees, and for everybody to see and hear, I'm going to declare my prayer. And it cost him a night in the lion's den. But guess what? His prayer unlocked God's power to close the mouth of lions. You start praying what God says to pray, and you'll be a tiger. You'll shut the mouth of lions. You'll see big, bold blessing in your life. You will unlock the power of God. In your life. Can I show you the greatest example in the whole Bible of God's power? 
I just want to show you to you. It's not what you'd think. It's not what a lot of people would say. If you ask people that question, they would say things like, well, it's his ability to raise people from the dead, right? Resurrection power, that's got to be his greatest power. Or some people would say his ability to create out of nothing. He created the whole universe, his creative ability. Other people would say, well, when he sent the flood, sunk the whole earth in water, right? That's got to be his greatest display of power ever. Now, here it is. I want to show it to you. It's in John chapter 1. That's what it says. Read you a couple of verses surrounding it. Ready? It says this. Jesus came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. They rejected him. They came to the gym but wouldn't work out. They walked into the church service but didn't want anybody to change them. They rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave power to become one of God's children. The greatest power in the whole universe is that the infinite, holy, pure, and perfect God says, I have made a way to give you the right, the power, to become one of my kids. That's unbelievable. That's unlike any other religion in the world. We don't do what it takes to get to God. He did everything to get to us. And he unleashes the power on us if we just believe and accept it. What does that look like? Okay, I believe there's a Jesus. I even believe he died for me. I even believe he rose from the dead. Well, what does it mean to accept him? Which is what unleashes that power for you to become one of God's kids. Luckily, the Bible tells us. It's in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Listen to it. You ready? Listen to what it says. See if this sounds like your prayer life. See if this sounds different. If you will openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be given power to become one of God's kids. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Oh, man, have you ever met these people? I prayed that prayer inside my heart. And now I just sit here sucking up all this Bible teaching. It's awesome. Tell me about your faith. <laughs> don't talk about my faith, dude. I don't pray in front of other people. I don't declare those things out loud. Really? I'm sorry, did you miss that verse I just read? Did we miss that? If you openly declare that Jesus is your Lord, I don't bring him up at the office or at school because they told me it was illegal now. I don't bring him up anymore. I, I just keep that right here. No, Jesus would be like, put that right there. You wear that right on your sleeve. You openly declare that I'm your Lord. That's what people who are saved do. That's what people who have been given the power to be God's kids do. They declare it out loud. They declare their faith. Because belief always drives behavior. You can't say, I believe everything there is to believe about Jesus inside, but none of it gets out. It doesn't work like that. Whatever I believe down deep in here, when things go bad, when I get angry, when times are tough, it spills out of me. If I really believe what Jesus is saying, if I really believe what he did for me, then I will declare it. Today, will you declare that Jesus is Lord? Become one of God's children. It's that simple. Unleash the greatest power in the universe over your life. Start to see what God says you'll see. 
because you started to say what God says to say. It's not a magic prayer. It's an open declaration of what I say I believe already. If I will just proclaim, declare what I say I already believe in my heart, I will see God's power. If I will just start to say what God says to say, then I will start to see what God says I'll see. You're chosen, not forsaken. You are loved, not abandoned. You are God's kid, not some orphan. Will you declare it? Or does it just have to stay a secret? I'm going to do something we've never done before in our church. Will you guys stand up with me? I want to throw out a challenge to you today. You are free to walk out the doors today. Change nothing. Don't floss. Don't lift weights. Don't become a tiger. Don't shut the mouth of lions. You're always free to do that. But today I want to challenge you to declare that Jesus is your Lord out loud to somebody else. Ready? We're going to play a song, a song that declares this same message. That you can be God's child. You can declare it over your life in the name of Jesus. That you don't have to be alone or afraid or worried anymore. You can rise above and you can be a tiger. That God will give you the power to be one of his kids. But it's more than just internalizing some belief in my heart. It's declaring my allegiance to the Lord out loud. So for you, maybe that sounds like, I declare that Jesus is my Lord. For you, maybe that sounds like, I just want you to know that I'm with Jesus no matter what. Or maybe for you that sounds like, I want you to know that from right now forward, I'm following Jesus with everything I got. But I want to challenge you to just get with somebody else sitting beside you, a friend on the other side of the room, somebody you know in the room, and just look them in the eye and declare it out loud. Don't just pray it in your heart anymore. Declare your prayer.